Well, it's already been good to be in the house of the Lord today, hasn't it? And whoa, what a great number we have today. I'm glad you're here. I hope you're excited about Bible study right after our time of worship through study of God's Word in here together as a church, and then to go to your classes as you'll go to Sunday school right afterwards. For those who have joined us by Facebook Live, we welcome you and invite you again to be a part of our communion today, that you would get your elements ready as we will be partaking of communion later in the service. We will remember. Let me ask you before we start today with the message, if you did not get a cup for the communion service, would you raise your hand? We have some men who are ready to give you one. Anyone who is not prepared. You did a good job, deacons. Nobody upstairs raised their hand. We're in good shape. Thank you. All right. We're talking about remembering. We will remember. I, one of these days I'm going to look that up and study that, but the number of times God says in his word, remember. He calls us to remember. He calls us to remember who he is. He calls us to remember what he's done. He calls us to remember who we are and why we are who we are. And he calls us to remember the day of salvation when we became a child of God. Jesus told us to do some things, and in particular, communion, as we will share it today, to do in remembrance of him, to remember who he is, to remember why he came, to remember what he suffered, and remember his death, his burial, and of course, his resurrection and to remember his promises as we gather together and partake of this very important, very important meal. Joshua has now taken over as leader of the children of Israel. Moses has died near the end of Deuteronomy, and Joshua was established as their new leader. He was the one who was to finally to lead them into the promised land, lead them through the battle of Jericho, the crossing of the Red Sea, the conquering of the homeland that had been promised to them, battle after battle. And it has come to a time as we get near the end of the book of Joshua in chapter 24, as you want to turn there. And as we look at the book of Joshua, in particular this passage, as where he gathers the people in Shechem, and he has a stone that he places for them to be reminded of some things. The stone of witness placed there by their new leader himself, Joshua, as his final act of the leader of the nation, the new nation of Israel. Joshua renewed the covenant, rehearsed before them their history and what God had promised them what God had done, where they had been, and where they are now. But then he did the unexpected. He set up a stone. Joshua 24 and verse 26. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set, up the, set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, 
he said to the people. This stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. We have a saying that we use every once in a while when we're working on plans and, and even sometimes when a contract is to be signed and, and, and maybe when a new person is going to be hired, they'll say, well, or, or, is everything good? Well, it's not set in stone yet. Referring back to the stone of Shechem, that is not set in stone. It is not a done deal yet as it was on this day. For Joshua and the people that day, it was literally set in stone. The greatness came by the symbol it was. The message that it conveyed to them is it reminded them of this, their history or the promises of God and the significance that it held for others who witnessed its presence that even were not a part of what Israel had experienced and sojourners coming by and, and new members of their community would see that stone and say, what is this for? What does this mean? You know, we need some reminders. We need, often need reminders in our own lives of who we really are. We get so caught up in the things of this world. We get so caught up in life, in the flesh, that we forget who we are. Born again people. People, citizens of another place. A part of another family that's not of this world called the family of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ. We're a part of a distinct group. And we need to be reminded of that. We need to remember those things. You need to have something in your life to remind you of your covenant with God, to prepare you as you come into this, this meeting today, as you come to partake of this meal, and as you prepare to go into his presence on a daily basis in your private prayer time, you need a reminder of who you are, what you are, and what he has done in your life, and who he is. We need some reminders. A good reminder for me is my old home church. I get to go preach there occasionally. It's been three or four years now since I've been. I, I assume and hope that time will come up again. I go back to my own home church. The same building's still there. The same pews are still in the old country church. It is the Big Creek Baptist Church, Irwinville, Georgia. And we would drive over there from Tifton to church. Daddy said that was the only place we could hear good gospel preaching. So we went over there and heard Reuben Eldridge all of my young life. And he died after I was a, a grown man in, in ministry, and uh, he was still pastoring that church. And I would go and listen to him and, and hear him preach. We were in revival. I think I've told you my testimony before. We were in revival, and old preacher Dorman, he was there. Uh, he came in, and he preached two or three times in a revival while I was growing up, and I'll never forget. We'd gone through the whole week. Revival went Sunday through Sunday, 
We skipped Saturday, but we had Sunday through Friday night and then Sunday morning. And we were back for the final service on that Sunday morning. And he preached the simple message. He had preached hard all week. He had given unbelievable Bible lessons that week. And I'd listened intently. I sat right on the front pew, right under the spout where the glory runs out. And I sat there every week. I had my place. Our pastor, Brother Eldridge, would often call my name while he was preaching. He'd say, Ricky, did you know? And I'd, I knew. <laughs> I'd always nod my head, yes, sir, I know. And he would, he would refer to me at times. And I, I, I sat right there, and it was under the spout, as I said, where the glory runs out. It, it was near the, the front where I'd get sprinkled with the spit. You know, I was, the, the pews were a little closer than they are here. And I would listen to him week after week, and I'll never forget when Brother Dormany was preaching that Sunday morning, he said, folks, I've told it, I preached it as simple as I know how. If you don't receive Jesus as your Savior, you'll walk in your own ignorance and in your own failure. Today is the day of salvation. This is the accepted time. The invitation was given. I had moved from the front pew that Sunday. I was under conviction. So I moved back over here where Christian's sitting. And I, I was sitting on the end, not near my parents. I was by myself because I was going to get lost in the crowd. But you know, you don't get lost in the crowd when the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. He knows where you are and he speaks to your heart. And that Sunday morning, he spoke to me afresh. And I came forward that day and gave my heart and my life to the Lord Jesus Christ and was gloriously saved at 12 years old. And I'm telling you, I've never forgotten it. I love to go back to that old home place. I like to go back there and preach. But I like to go back to that old home place, and I, I sit right where I sat. They have never caught on to that, I don't think. But I sit right on that same front pew where I always sat. And when I get up to preach, it is a glorious experience. For I'm reminded of what Jesus did in my life on that Sunday morning in July. I'm reminded of how it was to receive him as Lord and Savior and the load that was lifted off of my 12-year-old heart and the assurance that I received and the blessings of that day knowing that I was a child of God. I've never forgotten it. There have been times when I've forgotten him. There have been times when I've walked out of his will. But let me tell you, he has never lost me. He has never left me. And he's always drawing me back. And I'm reminded of that. There are other things that remind me of who I am. My dad used to tell me when I was growing up, boy, you better remember who you belong to. Whatever you do, wherever you go, you remember whose son you are. And I would remember that. I didn't really know all that it meant, but I learned when I got older to remember who you belong to. Joshua said to the children of Israel, you see this stone? You remember who you belong to. You remember the commitment you've made to him to walk before him and to serve him and to worship him. And you remember the commitment he's made to you that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always meet our needs. He is the I am God. And don't you forget that. And as he brought them together, we need some reminders. 
Sometimes it's just good to go revisit our day of salvation. It's healthy to go re revisit the time when you realize that you were a sinner in need of forgiveness and that Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross for your sins. And under that kind of conviction, you ask him to forgive you and to come into your life and to be your Lord and Savior. Sometimes you just need to revisit that, to be reminded of who you are and what the Lord has done for you. And he calls on us to remember Joshua said, look at the stone and remember where you've been. Remember what God's done. Remember who you, whose you are and remember where he's promised to take you. Then he moves to quite another object lesson. He has them bring forth the bones of Joseph. They have carried those bones throughout their 40 plus years in the wilderness. Can you imagine you get up one morning, it's the same breakfast you've had every other day for those nearly 40 years. It's manna. You know what supper's going to be? Quail. You know what the day holds, that it's time to move the encampment to go to a new place. And you've been given the assignment today to carry the coffin with Joseph's bones in it. Can you imagine having that detail? You carry those bones on that hot desert sand. You look around, there may be a, a small plant every once in a while. Sand, sand, sand everywhere, rocks everywhere. Every once in a while, maybe a tree. There'd be a pool of water occasionally. And all you do is just walk and carry your part of Joseph's coffin. Perhaps you're walking along, and one of the guys that's helping carry the coffin with his bones in it, he trips and stumbles a little bit, and the, and the coffin shifts, and you could hear the bones of Joseph as they would rattle and bump up against the edge of that coffin. Step after step, hour after hour, your job today to carry the bones of Joseph. They've carried them now across the River Jordan. They've carried those bones while they've been in battles, in gaining the ground, the land that God had promised to them. They'd carried those bones for those 40-plus years. And now, Joshua says, buried Joseph's bones in the tomb of his father. You remember the story, do you not? Listen to it. And the bones of Joseph with the children of Israel, this is in verse 32 of that same 24th chapter, the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought with the, of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. Those bones had made it for all that journey. And now, not a one has been lost. Not a one has been broken. Those bones are placed in the coffin, of the coffin is placed in the tomb. You remember it, don't you? Back in 
Genesis chapter 50, this is what it says. And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid, and then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110, and later they embalmed him. He was placed in a coffin in Egypt. And then in Exodus chapter 13 and verse 19, we read, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him because Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear an oath. He had said, God will surely come to Israel and to your aid, and you must carry my bones up with you from this place. You see, Joseph's, Joseph's bones embodied a hope. A hope that God was going to deliver them from the bondage they were in. A hope that God was going to give them free passage from Egypt back to their homeland. That God was going to help them take the homeland from those that had overtaken it and, and they would be able to have that as a place of their own to live and they would be released from the bondage. Can't you see the scene? Here you are. The battles are over. Here you are. You've already set up a, a monument of stones in the middle of the River Jordan that any time you went by that, you'd be reminded that God gave you safe passage on dry land through the center of that river at flood stage as he calls the waters to stand still. And the stones were heaped up in the middle of that river to be a reminder to them over and over and over that God had delivered them to their land. Now they had this stone at Shechem and they have the bones of Joseph. A prophetic word that had been spoken by a man that you carry his bones reminds you of God's promise. A hope of a new life. Somehow a better day. You remember the goal, your eye is on the prize of the parcel of land that will belong to your part of the kingdom, to your family. You see, Joseph's bones became an evidence of a promise fulfilled. With no special power of their own, what they represented was far more than one person could see or understand. But he had told them, God's going to come to your aid. He's going to deliver you. And when you leave this place, promise me you'll take my bones with you. To Joseph, Israel returning to Canaan was a fact. The only wait was for God's timing. The only wait was when everything had been fulfilled. The promise was that they would inherit or inhabit the land that God had promised to their forefathers. 
I want to remind you this morning that God has given us his word. He has given us his word in this book. And we find our hope of another land. We have our hope in a place that we call home. We have a hope of a, being delivered from all of the things of this life and, and all the drudgery of this life and all of the difficult times and, and all of the failures of this life and all of the things we have to contend with, even in the Christian life and the Christian walk. Sometimes the days are long. Sometimes the road is dusty. Sometimes the, the days are, are tormentous to us. Sometimes it is a heavy load to bear. But we have the promise of God. We find our hope is not in the United States of America, praise God. We find our hope is not in anything of this world. We find our hope is in a place where our citizenship has been established through the shed blood of Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection. We have been given a citizenship all who trust in him and believe on him and are born again, we have a land that is promised to us and we have a promise that we'll be taken to that land. We read it and we're reminded as we trudge through this world what the old songwriter says, there is a land that is fairer than day and by faith we can see it afar today we're going to partake of the elements of holy communion today we're going to be reminded of what is ours in christ jesus today we're going to be reminded of his promises to us as we do what he tells us to do we do it till he comes he said, this is my body. This is my body broken for you. And as we partake of the elements of Holy Communion today, we're reminded that that, that that unleavened bread, that little wafer on the top that you're going to eat in a minute, is a reminder of his body given for you on the cross, of his body nailed there, suffering, having been beaten the night before, and nailed to die on the cross for our sins till he comes. This cup, he says, is the New Testament in my blood. As often as you drink it, you do so in remembrance of me. But Paul says, as often as you drink it and eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death for how long? Till he comes. We have a promise. The church used to sing a song like this. The world, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I just can't feel at home in this world anymore. You know, most of our problems are the fact that we feel very much at home in this world. We get caught up in the things of this world. 
We get more concerned about the things of this world and what we want and what we want to do than being reminded of the hope that is ours in Christ Jesus. And Jesus said, I want you to take this bread. I want you to eat it. For it reminds you of my body broken for you on Calvary. I want you to take this cup and I want you to drink of, the, of this cup and be reminded that my blood was shed on Calvary for the remission of your sins, for the forgiveness of sin, that whosoever would believe on me would not perish but have everlasting life. Those are the things Jesus reminds us of. And today, this communion becomes a reminder to us. Today's message is not a picture or a shadow of Jesus in the Old Testament, but it is taking an Old Testament incident and where Joshua is teaching the people of remembering who they are, remembering a promise fulfilled, and to remember who they belong to, and to remember when they have failed that they can come back to that stone and be reminded that God is their God. This morning, we come back to that place. We come to the place of worship. We come to the house of God. We come to this time of communion. And we'll partake of this bread. And we'll drink of this cup to be reminded of his love for us and the price he paid for us. Paul says, and I think I said this already, but he reminds us as often as we do this, we show the Lord's death. We're reminded of his death until he comes.